Hey everybody, welcome to episode 123 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. Thanks for joining Team Bench today as we talk to Ammo Dan. Now, Ammo Dan is the founder of Ammo Squared, and we learned all about Ammo Squared back in episode 103. But we're going to do something a little different with Ammo Dan. We're going to learn a little bit about the guy behind Ammo Squared, how he came up with the idea, and stick around to the end because we're going to talk a little bit about the ammunition plant explosion and what's going on with Lake City Ammunition. But before we talk to Ammo Dan, it's time to pay the bills. And look, people, our sponsors are the reasons why we can bring this show to you. They're the one that pay the bills. So make sure you support these sponsors. And today's sponsors are Falco Holsters. Falco is the original sponsor of this podcast. And they're my everyday carry holster. I really love these things because of the quality. They're handmade to your specifications. You pick out the way you want it and they'll build it. So definitely go check out Falco Holsters because they can make a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And make sure you use the checkout code BANSHEE to save 10%. Now this is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Ammo Squared is really rethinking how we think, how we buy ammo and really what ammo is. Thinking about ammo as an asset class is also, well, a product too, something we can consume. Go check out Ammo Squared because they've got a lot of great ways of buying ammo. If you don't like want like 223, you want 9mm instead, there's ways of converting your 223 over to 9mm. It's a great platform. They came up with a great idea. Go check out Ammo Squared. Have a link down below. Now with all the bills paid, Ammo Dan, tell me about your love of guns. Ammo Dan, it's uh, Dan Morton, uh, founder and CEO of Ammo Squared. Um, we, Ammo Squared basically makes it easy to buy ammunition uh, on a budget. You know, it's like a, like, like you said, you know, it's like an ammo 401k. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm in, based in, uh, I'm out of Boise, Idaho, uh, Freedom, Freedom State. And uh, we just love it up here. And, uh, and my next door neighbor. Yeah, because you're in Montana, right? In Montana, yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's kind of great to, to see, you know, we, we talked a lot about uh, Ammo Squared in episode one and three when you were on last time. Uh, for those that are just joining Ammo Squared, you know, like, like Dan was saying, I call it like your 401k or your ARA, your uh, ammunition retirement account. And, you know, that way you can just pull a little bit of money out, invest it in ammo because it's, it's basically it's a commodity. So yeah. um, we can do a little bit of investing in ammo and then. Uh, you can withdraw it at any time. And um, it's, a, it's such a great op concept that you came up with because, I mean, it's so new that you you basically created a market that yeah. no one was really doing at the time. Right. Yeah, no, it's still everything. Yeah. And you've been doing it for like eight years now. Eight years, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this is not like... a little company that people, you know, Sometimes when they hear about us, they, they get the epiphany, the, the light bulb moment goes off. A lot of times it's like, why would I do that? You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, that's the thing is that people don't realize this is not 
something that you just thought up and it just happened. I mean, this yeah. this has been around for a little while. It's an established business. Um, it's an established business, like you said, in a very firearm friendly state, which is Idaho. Yeah. Um, and really, you're kind of in an area where it's geographically, it's a pretty safe area where, yeah, where you're at. So, um, you know, you have you have good weather. So where I'm going with this is people think, uh, you know, we have we have, why would I want to do this stuff? You know, I want to store my ammo somewhere else. Well, you know, it's you know, I'm not going to store it in my house where I could have a house fire or. Uh, like we talked about in episode 103, I could have I have a flood, which I had here, or uh, my house sits between two faults for an earthquake. So there's a lot of things that could go wrong with this house where it's nice to just have that ammo somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the way that I like to kind of put it, it's it's part of your ammo management plan. So you have ammo at your house that you're using, right? But you can also have ammo off-site that is backup to what you're what you have at your house. And and the important thing is when it's offsite, it's insured there. So it's not like yeah. I'm just like, hey, hey, Dan, here's my money, and then if something oh, happens, no. I'm I'm out. You, yeah. you know, if something happens to that facility, you my my oh. my ammo is backed up by your insurance policy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Awesome. Now, now that we've kind of <laughs> caught up what ammo squared is, I, I really wanted to kind of get into who's ammo, Dan. I mean, how how did you get into shooting? I mean, is this something that you learned as a kid or something a little bit later in life? Yeah. So I was, I was actually just talking to somebody about this kind of thinking back to my first exposure to guns was um, probably when I was, I don't know, I would say definitely elementary school age. My, I had, my grandfather lived up around Shasta in California and he was kind of an old cowboy type and uh, he used to have a gun rack in his den and he had lever actions and he had uh you know single stage uh you know colt style revolvers and um we did a he basically one time we we my brother and i were basically bugged him enough that he put out some cans on a, on a sawhorse and let us shoot at him with the 22 the single action you know cock the hammer every time and um that was actually my first probably exposure to guns and i just you know it, it was fun for me. I used to play army when I was a kid in, in uh, elementary yep. school. And, stuff. and so um, I think it just kind of, you know, gravitated towards firearms. Um, when I was, I took my first course um, when I was, I want to say 19. Uh, there was a company out of California called Front Sight. Um, they started off in California. They later went to Nevada. And um, we were there when they were in Bakersfield. And I remember driving down. I took my first handgun course. I remember it was $700. It was a four-day course. Um, I had a borrowed Glock 17 at the time because, you know, I knew that I didn't know very much about guns. And yeah. so yeah. I wanted to get training. And so from that point on, I, I pretty much took most of the courses that they had. I took rifle shotgun i even took some machine gun course um and then uh i used to do competition so i did idpa i did um ipsic um three in california which is where i was born i was born in san jose 
Um, there was a place called Chabot Gun Range. I think they've now since closed, but they used to do all kinds of cool competitions up there. Um, so I used to do a lot at that time. So I'm talking like early 20 time. Thing. It's kind of funny because I, I, was, I was thinking about with me, I started off uh, when I was seven. Uh, you know, I started playing with pellet guns and things like that to learn basic firearm safety, went up into 22s, um, you know, then up to 357, you know, 38, 357, 9mm, all that stuff. Um, and it's kind of funny. I, I kind of grew up with guns. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't really have guns until we had our first house. After my parents bought our first house, we moved to it. But I, I look back at my childhood and, you know, I was shooting trap when I was 10. So Wednesday mm -hmm. night was trap night at our at our you know, at our club, at our Rod Dunn Club, and, and I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and it was, uh, you know, that was just a thing for us. And then uh, when I got into competition, I didn't get into competition until I was 21. Um, so and tw when I was 21, we lived in Maryland. The first thing I, I did is I went out and bought a Glock 17. Yeah, and, and that's, and inside there was the little GSSF, thing, you know, uh, pamphlet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And then I, I started off with that, and then that led into IDPA, IPSC, and uh, eventually three gun. And it kind of it kind of feeds a whole new uh, level of let's let's take money out of your wallet. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But but I, you're getting I, that skills too from it. Yeah, and and that's the thing is you start building those skills up, you have no idea, um, you know, what you're going to learn. Uh, my Honestly, the first class I ever took was when, I mean, other than hunter safety when I was 14, the first class I, I took was when I got my concealed carry permit here in Montana because uh, I needed, I, you know, I couldn't find my hunter safety card from when I was, you know, 14. Um, you know, that was many years earlier. Um, so I had to take a class. And then when I took that class, I remember there was a, uh, Myself, my wife, and then another couple. It was a very, th this instructor was, uh, he had very small classes. And I remember them on, on range day, they were sharing a 22, um, trying to get through the class. And, uh, you know, you, you only needed to, sh you know, it, it didn't say what caliber you had to be competent and you just had to show competency. And, and I remember um, when I got done, the, <laughs> we got done the class and, uh, there's steel. I'm in a private range with steel, so I'm 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 gonna want to I'm gonna want to shoot steel and just kind of mm -hmm. have some fun. And I was talking to my instructor, and he was he was like, I was like, hey, you mind if I kind of go hit on the steel? And he's like, yeah, no problem, because he knew I competed. Yeah. Um. So when he did all the drills, he worked with me first to get me out of the way so he could concentrate on everybody else. And um, so I was over there just banging away on steel with my Glock 17. And um, I remember, uh, and this is with you borrowing the Glock, this is what kind of led me to the story. Um, the, the husband came over and he was talking to Randy, the, uh, the instructor. And he's like, he's, he's really good with that gun. And he, Randy's like, well, he should be. That's his competition gun. Hmm. And, and there's nothing special about my competition. It was a stock mm -hmm. Gen 2 Glock 17. There was nothing special yeah. about it. Just I was really good at it. I had... I don't even That's know how many rounds I have to. Yeah. No, so I remember coming back and the, the guy was like, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, that, you know, it's a 
you do good with that gun. I'm like, well, do you want to shoot it? And he's like, no, come on, here. I hand him two mags, go shoot it. Like, you don't even know what you like yet. Like, you know, go go mm-hmm. shoot it. And uh, that's what I love about this industry is that you you get to a range and somebody will lend you a gun, right? right. It's like, uh, you know, I was shooting, uh, I was coming off my Glock 17 onto a SIG 229. That's what I was, you know, qualifying with. But, uh, you know, that 17, I could just run. And that's where I was like, hey, do you want to shoot the SIG? And he's like, no, no, no. I was like, seriously, you don't know what you don't know yet. You're here with a oh, yeah. 22. Go, yeah. go have some fun. You know, we're, we're here in a safe range. Um, here's, here's a couple of guns. Have fun. And that's what I love about this, about this stuff. You know, hearing that you went to front site with a borrowed Glock. Oh, wait, this is awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think my story is coming from a family that wasn't a hunter family. Right. So my, my, I didn't see, I saw my grandpa once, a, you know, once in a long while, cause we'd go up there for summers, but my, you know, my family was not into guns. And I think a lot of people kind of have that uh, these days, right? So in San Jose, California, you know, we weren't really hunters. I wasn't, you know, in the Midwest, right? There's a lot of hunter families and that kind of stuff. So I kind of, I guess, went my own path with respect to, okay, I'm going to get into practical stuff, you know, and I'm going to start shooting Glocks and I'm going to do ARs and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So that was more. I, in fact, you talk about hunter safety. I took hunter safety, but I think I was probably 35 and it was a whole class full of kids, you know, and it felt like really awkward after I've been taking these, these tactical classes and we've got to do the whole, put the, put the gun over the fence so that, you know, you can climb over safely and all that stuff. So you're, you're you had kind of like a where's Waldo moment, right? A little bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this tall and everybody else in class is this tall. You know? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, uh, you know, I went through hunter safety class. I I grew up, you know, kind of working fields with my father and my uncles and stuff like that. Uh, I went to hunter safety class and honestly, I went hunting twice uh, uh, since I had, you know, I got that hunter safety class, turned 14, got my license. Um Went hunting twice that first year, and I never hunted again. It just—I enjoyed being out with everybody. Mm-hmm. I just—I don't know. I just it, it, hunting. This wasn't for me, but you know, going into shooting, I loved going to the range and and you know, or, you know, trying to put a bullet inside a hole that I already put a hole in, you know, in this yeah. paper. And then growing up, when you start being able to move around in a bay, it's not static shooting. I, that became fun. Yeah. Um, and you know, shooting just kind of took off on a different avenue for me, especially as I got older. Like, I had no idea that I was ever going to compete in competition shooting. Had no desire to, and then it just became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like. Now, one thing that you you have is you're starting to learn long range shooting. Is that correct? Oh yeah. So. Actually, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because literally last weekend, my wife and I went to a four-day precision rifle class in Utah. So it was nice. it was put on by um, NDS Modern Day Sniper, but it was it was beautiful weather. It was perfect. 
And, you know, by day two, we were shooting out to a thousand yards on, you know, huge targets though. You know, the, I think that that particular range, they're seven feet. So it wasn't that big of a challenge, but it was nice to learn your dope and, you know, adjust for windage and different things. The next day, so day three, we were out on the side of a, of a, a mountain, really. And we were shooting at unknown distances where the targets were smaller silhouettes, rams, you know, deers, yep. that kind of stuff. They even had like little prairie dog things that you could shoot at uh, closer in. But at that point we were shooting out to 1,050. Um, and that's the first time I ever shot anything like that far. Yeah. Before that, this was 400. Yeah, my my farthest is uh, 600. So okay. um, yeah, yeah and that's, it, it's kind of nice because I, I like hearing anything. Uh, last week I had Derek from Northwest Guns on. We were talking about like long range shooting for beginners. He's a, he's okay. a, you know, a, he's a PRS guy. So he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's used to shooting out past a thousand, past, you know, 1600. And even oh, out, yeah. I think his, his brother shots out. Yeah, he's like he's like out there, at like I think like twenty three hundred. He said, okay, yeah, and I'm like, true. I can't I can't see that far, right? I mean, when I, when I grew up as a kid, you know, you know, learning learning how to hunt in, in Pennsylvania, a hundred yards was a long shot. Uh, you know, <laughs> I guess the you know, woods, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you had the woods, and then at like one hundred one is a house because you know you got so much population. When when I when I moved out here to Montana. And people are talking about taking elk at like 600 yards. I'm like, you know, that like, that's like mind boggling to me. It's like, but, you know, as I start growing into this stuff, uh, you know, like now I'm starting to build out a long range gun. And that's, it's kind of funny with where you're thinking about that is just like, I've done the, you know, I've I've done the pistol, I've done the three gun. um, And I love hearing that people are doing long range because that's where I'm starting to get into. And, um, and what, what kind of drove you into that? Uh, what, I mean, just one day you just woke up and go, I want to hit something at a thousand yards or. Yeah. I, you know, I think, and I, and I'm going to guess that kind of the industry is going in this direction. We're all kind of like doing this journey at the same time. And it's that, you know, you're proficient with a pistol, you're proficient with a carbine, you know, and you're proficient with a shotgun in some cases where some people just skip over it. Um, and then, um, and then the next thing is kind of long range, you know, uh, long range bolt action. I'm trying to think back. I think it was just my wife and I, we love taking courses together. So that's our thing now. So our kids are getting older. My youngest is 16. And so we're getting to that point where we're like, okay, we're going to be able to be footloose and fancy free. What are we going to do? You know? And so our thing is we just want to take courses and just kind of travel around and do that. And so this was kind of part of that plan. And that was one hole that we had was long range shooting. It's kind of funny because you're kind of like getting get back into that like newlywed stage, right? A little bit. Like, okay, what can we, you know, the kids are gone we, yeah. and you're off doing your own thing. And so what can we, what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah. But she's, she's the only woman in the class. So she, she enjoyed, you know, she's kind of unique in that respect because uh, it, there's a lot less women, I think, when it comes to long range shooting, especially, but um, and just shooting in general. But it's it's starting to become. There's more women getting into it. Yeah, because you know I have because uh, I have you know I have competition shooters on the podcast here, and uh, you know 
especially women com uh, competition shooters, and they're far and few between, but they're there, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. they are there, but it's they're long, you know, shooting long range is just one of those, it's kind of like the next frontier for women. I mean, they're we've got mm -hmm. women shooting, you know, IDPA, IPSC, uh, Bianchi Cup, Three Gun. Yeah. Um, now that that long range is is kind of getting the thing. I, I, I um, uh, what was her name? Taylor. I forget. I forget what her married name is now. I mean, she's like like literally like you know oh, yeah. like five foot like tall. Yeah. Um, and she just Rex did a she just did a post on Instagram like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she was at a long range shoot with her AR. And they were pushing that 223 out, I think, to like 1,200 yards. And I'm like, man, you must be like lobbing those things in because, yeah. I mean, that's that's a long that's a long shot for 223. It is, um, yeah. Of course, she didn't. Yeah, with the right instructor, you'll get it done. I mean, it's not like she's going to do long range competition, but it's it's more of she took this class and it can be done. Now, she also didn't tell us how big the target was. But, that was another um, question, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, if that's, you're 10 foot, uh, 10 foot target, then, you know. Yeah, exactly. Hit that with um, so, yeah, I mean, you think about uh, I forget what Jerry Mitchell has. Uh, he has a long-range record for 9 millimeter. Oh, does um, he? I think he's got 100. Does he have 100? I don't know if it's past 100 yards, but he made a 100-yard shot with a 9 millimeter. Um, oh, and it was so funny because I remember the video he shoots and it's almost like he gave up, like I didn't hit. And then the ringing comes back from the steel. It's, it's, I mean, it just took that long for the sound to travel back. Um, so it, it's, it's cool to see things going into the long range. I'm, I'm glad that more people are getting long range because it's something I'm starting to get interested in. Um, and it's like I said, it's, it's just like that new evolution. It's like, Okay, how how far can I push this now? All right. Yeah. Now, so the other thing I, I was just gonna say, I I, I kind of wonder if it's from the uh, 6.5 Creedmoor round. So I was listening yeah. to a podcast, a Hornady podcast. They were talking about the evolution of 6.5 Creedmoor, and it really kind of has changed the long range game. Everybody in our class, we did. We had seven people in our class. Everybody had a six-five, except for one guy that had a three-eight. Um, and then I, and I've taken another class. Everybody had a six-five three more, except for me. I at that time I had a three-eight. <laughs> so it's it's funny because the uh, the action I'm building up is going to start off as a three-eight, three-eight, three-zero-eight, and it's going it, to. But I know it's not going to stay there. It's going to go to six five. And I remember talking to somebody like, "Why are you going to build this thing th uh, three oh eight when you know you're going to go to six five? And I go, "Because I'm looking at about three thousand rounds of three oh eight on my bench down there. Oh, yeah. um, it's like yeah. let me learn the basics with all the ammo I've got before I have to go invest in a new caliber. Yeah. And then uh, you know, then I'll start working on you know on on all you know my six uh, six five Creed more and and maybe other things later. Um, well, there's a lot of good reasons for 308 because it's, uh, as, a, as a beginner, right? So one, the ammo cost is cheaper. Two, it's actually a less efficient round. So you have more spin yes. drift, you have to, you have 
you know, um, the dope is going to be different from a six pack. It's going to drop more. Um, you're just going to have a tougher time, but that'll make you a better shooter. That was why, I, in a way, I took my first precision class with my 308 first, kind of get my feet wet. And then I was like, okay, I want to shoot out further. I want to be a little bit more accurate. I want to I make it a little easier on myself. 653 more was the way to go. Um, and there was actually a lot of people that shoot six millimeter too. Um, yep. And then when you, you know, when you look at like the uh, competition, like PRS and that kind of stuff, it it's the it's the oddball six millimeters is a lot of times six dasher and these these yep. crazy rounds that they shoot. Um, but uh, but yeah, so those two six five and six millimeter just blown up in popularity. Yeah, yeah, they just they just kind of rule the roost with that stuff. Mm -hmm. now, now you ha you have obviously a passion for firearms. How did you get into the ammo gallery? I mean, we know that you know um, we know that ammo square started in your in your garage, just like mm -hmm. every other you know American company, a you know, small business, it <laughs> started in a garage. How did you get to the point where you go, you know, I want to sell ammo? So kind of part of my story was, you know, I've always been in, involved in guns. I, I started off in California. We moved to Idaho, you know, 18 years ago. Um, and I was a reloader. Uh, I don't reload as much anymore just because I don't have my bench up. It's, it's up on top of a power rack somewhere. But, um, and the, I had moved back to California for my job in like 2014, 2015. And while I was there, I was only like dreaming about guns and ammo and just cause you know, it's just, it's California. So I literally packed up all my stuff and I kind of kept it hidden. I never went to the range. I knew I was only going to be there for a little while. I was, I was uh, in corporate at the time as in product marketing. And, and I worked in San Francisco. Um, and so it was, it was like, to me, my personal health. It was my personal yeah. health. And once we got back to Idaho, um, I just was, I just decided, you know, I want to do something in this industry. I had these ideas. I'm just going to go for it. Because um, I did develop the idea kind of while I was still in California. And it was, it was the idea of, you know, at the time, I had a 401k I was putting money into and then I come back and it's like shortly around that time, it was 2015, I believe was two, I guess it would have been 2000. Yeah. 2015. There was a shortage around that time frame, And so, um, you know, it was just looking at kind of the opportunity of, Hey, maybe I can make a go of this and start it off. And I was just actually talking to an entrepreneur group, uh, last week. And one of the things I was telling them is, you know, make sure to not invest a lot of money into your idea. Cause you don't know if your idea is going to work. Right. And so right. what, you know, the, the stories about people that get this idea and then they suddenly get a million dollars. I mean, it, it rarely happens. And, and if it does, then you're, you're giving your whole company away to somebody. But, um, in my case, what I did was I built a, a WordPress website and I put up this idea basically of, you know, this ammo as a 401k or an ammo bank and uh, just tried to get, tried to get anybody that would, would sign up really. Um, and That's then we, we oh, go ahead. 
it's kind of funny because you, you know you're talking about being in San Francisco, um, yeah. which is so is you know so anti-gun, but yet that's where the tech industry is. You know, very tech. Yeah, so I had that kind of vibe going on when I was out there, yeah. and I I was even going to different startup type events and doing different things, and so I knew I wanted to kind of be a part of that and start something, but I also knew I didn't want to like you know, deal with venture capital or, you know, give my, give my company away to somebody. But, um, and so getting back to Idaho was perfect because Idaho is, like we said, the freedom, love and gun state and one of many, of course, but, um, you know, and then it was, I was able to start it off just in our garage and just kind of tiptoe into it. And it just kind of grew over time. So um, really you may not have done ammo squared if you had not gone back to California. Yeah, I that's mean, a possibility. That, yeah. It, it's a possibility that Ammo Squared might not exist today. That's true. Without without my tour it's, of duty in San Francisco. In San Francisco. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just kind of funny. It, it's just like, it, as, as anti-gun as they are, they kind of spawned an ammo, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, what's fun? Yeah. I remember being in a bar in San Francisco and talking to one of my coworkers and kind of showing him like the logo idea that I had for ammo in a square. It was just yep. like this kind of a thing. And, and it was, it was, you know, weird. That, Cause obviously I couldn't do it in California. You know, this is yep. not the kind of business you can do in California um, with all their rules and regulations. But um, so I had to wait till I got back here to do it. Yeah. That's funny. Would you say that? That's just, yeah. It's just funny. It's just like, because it, it as much as we're, we're we get mad at the antis, they actually created you know because of their stance. It actually it actually spawned something for our industry that that we needed. And well, I, well, you kind of think about that just from an innovation standpoint, and it's always going to kind of fill in where there's a rule or a regulation or changes something. It's like, oh, guess what? I'm going to invent this. I haven't followed the, the California rules, but I know they've got all kinds of crazy things to get around, like the assault weapon ban of like, you've got yeah. this tool that unlocks this so that you can pop the upper receiver off. Now it's not a, you know, I have no idea anymore, but, yeah. but, but Hey, those are all people that are innovating around the regulations. Well, and, and that's the thing is, um, you know, as much, as much as we love our president, um, <laughs> Back back when he created the the gun ban during the Clinton administration, as much as he likes to say, mm -hmm. um, going forward, he said he would do it completely different now because, I mean, really, they had the gun ban go through, and then all that happened was this bayonet lugs came off and the flash suppressors came off, yep. and then suddenly the guns were back, yep. and they and they got mad. It's like the market just reacted to what you did. They didn't do exactly. anything illegal. You know, I, I listened to um, a, another podcaster when he, he talks about uh, getting the most out of your, you know, he gets audited every year by the IRS. Mm. And he's like, look, you know, 10%, 10 of the tax code tells you what you need to pay. The mm. other 90% tell you how to not pay the 10%. And that's <laughs> just what happened, right? They, they came up with a rule. You're not allowed to have this. Okay, cool. There's the 10%. Here's the 90% that just got wrapped around it. These guns are right back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anytime there's some type of, um, you know, some type of resistance to the firearms community, they just 
we we work our way around it and yeah. it's it's yeah. kind of funny how that works now i will tell you one of my favorite parts of the ammo squared website is right here the blog yeah. how did you get into blogging because i i love reading your blogs when you when oh, do you? With nice i do i i actually I, I go out here and read it and it's just like um i love reading these articles and I mean, this is, you know, something that you don't just put together. Um, how did you get into writing? Uh, so that's an interesting question. Um, I, I've actually written two books um, for other businesses that I did in the past. One was in around 2008. I, I had a business that was taking um, vacation homes, basically. And then um, actually, I should probably back up a little bit. But I worked for a company that that uh, did tenant in common for commercial buildings. So they would my one of my jobs was to go out and do the due diligence on the commercial building, and then they would sell it off to thirty two ticks as tenant in commons, right? So you have thirty two owners on this commercial building. I had this idea that I could do the same thing for vacation homes. So um, it's called uh, fractional ownership. You know, so you have eight owners on you know, let's say. I don't know, a $1.6 million vacation home, then each person puts in $200,000. Um, I wrote a book for that, for that business. Um, and then my wife and I, we we kind of combined to write another book, uh, just a fun book called How Tall is the Easter Bunny? And so it was basically questions that kids ask, because at the time we had little kids. And so it was all about the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and Santa Claus. And it was just like, you know, random questions. And we did, we surveyed people off of Craigslist and I had a designer from like, I used, I don't know if I used Fiverr or I used one of those Upwork type sites. And I had a lady in Argentina do the artwork for me and we put together this book. It actually still is on Amazon. This is how tall is Easter Bunny. Um, but it's just like a print on demand thing. But I've always kind of enjoyed writing. And then um, one thing that we do get a lot is people that, just say that they just really enjoy, like you said, like the blog that I, and the, the emails that I sent out. I, I'm pretty good about getting them out every Friday, but um, <laughs> but it, it's I would say I hit every three three Fridays a month, you know. Um, but uh, and it's also a way for me to kind of put a personality on the company too, and then for our customers to know you know who stands behind Ammo Squared and. And what we believe in and so we've we've been big on like the values and kind of you know that way you our customers can be you know certain who they're doing business with um but i, I try to come up with different things every every week so i'm glad that you're I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna bring up uh the values because this is this is kind of an important thing of ammo squared is the <laughs> values because uh this lays out this has got to be one of the best value web pages I've seen because you're laying out who you are. Um, you know, why, you know, why this is really why you should be doing business with ammo squared. Um, and I love, I, I always love this because, you know, you talk about here uh, the story and we we're talking a little bit about, it's kind of like funding a 401k. Um, yeah. And um, you know, now you're talking about, I mean, $7,500 climate controlled. Yeah. That's, that's 
that's not a small building. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's a good sized building. Um, so and that's the thing I love about the story because you know what I, I'm on I'm honest with everybody. I'm I'm sucker for a good story, and I love I love the ammo square. I love the history, how it came about. Um, you know, when I get when I get when I get passionate about something, I you know even you know even my my viewers tell me they they can tell um so the one thing the one thing that i love about about you and 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 your story is you were basically born to be an entrepreneur i mean some people are entrepreneurs and some people were born to be an entrepreneur yeah. and you just have that spirit and then you can communicate really well um which is why I love, uh, I, that's why I love the writing you do, um, the blog. And for everybody out there, for anybody in the audio side, I realize you can't see this. We're going to have links down below about this. Um, I love this stuff. I mean, you know, your last blog post was um, the 13th, which yeah. Friday. You know, yeah, Friday. When, shit when, shit when bad shit happens. Um, <laughs> and I mean, things, things happen. That, and that's, that's a, that's what we talk about in the industry. It's like you need to be prepared. And it's funny. I'm, I'm scrolling through the web page like I'm sharing it, and I meant to share it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, yeah, like you guys can see what I'm talking about here. Yeah. Um, oh, but anyway, there there it is. And it's like this is a great, um, yeah, this is a great article because today is Jihadist Friday, which was oh, last Friday. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of like an, you know, I, I remember people talking about all my, you know, it, it, it's Jihadist Friday and we're going to have these attacks. And like, but if you learned how to use the tool correctly, you'll be fine. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, no one wants to have to pull out a pistol that they're carrying to protect their lives. Um, it's, it's not something we want to do, but that's why going back to training, that's why we train right yeah. is we have a tool that we carry with us to protect ourselves and i mean it, it's just very simply broken down um you know i love it you're, you're talking about the oodle loop and and then you know one of the things i learned in um in my concealed carry you know classes the conditions you know you have condition white condition yellow condition orange um and you know i've talked to so many people that are in the self-defense industry. It doesn't even need to be with a firearm. Um, and you know, I, I understood the concepts, but then talking to these people, you start understanding things. It's like if you go to a gas station, I, I love I love going to get gas. Uh, not that I love paying the gas, but I love going to gas because just look around because I'm paying oh, yeah. for my surroundings, right? And then you look around and there's somebody with earbuds on just rocking out as they're, they're, they're completely clueless as to what's going on. And you realize these people, you, know, you start understanding these conditions when you start looking around your, your, your environment. Um, you know, I mean, how many times have you gone through Walmart and there, there's like someone right in the middle of the aisle Mm -hmm. Who's completely clueless that there's a world around them? Oh yeah, um, yeah. And it this works, and that's why I love. It. That's why I love this article. Is you start talking about that, and you know the mental awareness. Um, physical conditioning is a huge one. Um, 
I'm not as physically conditioned as, as I should be, but you know, I'm, I'm working through all that. But I, I love, I mean, you go through basic medical training. One of the things, uh, you know, one of the things I love is uh, I, I carry med packs with me. And I tell nice. people, like, you, you want to carry a med pack, but more importantly, you want to know what to do with it, right? right. Because just having the tool, just like having the firearm on you, does you it's no good that. unless you know what to do with it. Yep. So that's what I love about uh, about how you write things. Um, this was like just like a great article that I, that I loved, um, and that's what it's funny because I, I never think of going to Ammo Squared for the blog until you started writing blog articles. Um, and you're writing blog articles even before we even met. I mean, you've been doing this for a little while. I think. Uh, Gosh, I'm going I mean, back even farther, 2022. I mean, um, really all the way back to when we started, we on the WordPress site. So we didn't even bring over all the blogs that I had written back then. But um, but yeah, it's always just been part of, part of our our business is just putting up, you know, content and blogs. But, um, but also just having that voice out there, it's like, Yay, this is me. Because I've always been the one to write them for the most part. I mean, we've done a few in the very, in a, a long time ago, we had some guest blog posters and they wrote different articles and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, when they are customers and just general folk can hear from me and hear my voice, then I like, they know who they're dealing with. Yeah, and that's great. That's the thing. It's, it's the human side. I mean, I'm yeah. looking back all the way. The first blog post on the web page is November 26th of 2015. This has been there for oh, been okay. so yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was one of our very first ones then. Yeah, we pulled over that one then. So, so uh, we, that's the thing is, you know, other than just being um, you know, being a you know, being a retailer, you're mm -hmm. also advocating the you know, the knowledge, the knowledge transfer and the education through that as well. Right which is something a lot of companies just don't do. It's like, okay, here's, you know, the newest hunting round and they talk about the hunting round, but they, you know, that, that's great. It, it pushes their product, but that's why I like for you, you're not like, you're not Remington, you're not Winchester. I mean, you have those, you have those brands, yep. but you're there for your customers. Yep. Um, speaking yep. of Winchester, Winchester, uh, we talked a little bit about this offline. There's, there's been a couple of things that have happened in the industry lately. Um, number one, the Hornady plant explosion. Uh, horrible, horrible things that, that happened. One person died. Um, and then we're hearing a little bit about Lake City, which no one has confirmed anything yet. But this is, do you start seeing because of the Hornady plant and possibly something going on with Lake City, do you see like there might be a now like a ramp up for maybe another run? I mean, how does that affect your business? Yeah. So what I can do is kind of tell you a little bit about what I know as of right now, just talking to some different people in the industry. Um, it, you know, really it started obviously with the, uh, the attack in the Middle East, right? Yep. And people, whether it was, people feeling afraid from that and just from, you know, like I kind of joked about Jihadist Friday, but, you know, people feeling afraid that there could be an attack uh, domestically and then wanting to buy ammunition. 
So I've seen that ammunition and guns are kind of like a security blanket for us, for Americans in general. So when, when times are, are looking bad, we go buy guns and we buy ammo. Um, it's just, it's just in our nature and there's, I, I think it's awesome. Um, but the problem is we do kind of have that almost, um, you know, panic buying kind of situation going on where there's really, you know, and not necessarily a reason to go out and panic buy. So what I did was last week, you know, kind of just talking to different people in the industry, you, what I found out was when you have essentially the U.S. possibly supporting two wars, right? We're sending arms to Ukraine, we're sending arms to Israel, um, then that takes away from the civilian market. So the first calibers or really the only calibers that have been really affected this last week were 223556, 5.56 green tip the most, um, and then 7.6239 and then 308. So those are all your battle rifle, defensive rifle type calibers. So people are buying those because they're, they want to be prepared for, you know, something happening. Right. Right. And so then that kind of then uh, spirals where somebody goes to the store and then all the 223 is gone. So then they start panicking and they start, um, I, I think that there's a, a good uh, strategy here. And that's the strategy kind of like uh, if, you know, with, with toilet paper, right? We all yeah. had the shortage in toilet paper and we use this now, my family, basically um, I, and I'll kind of put the ammo squirt spin on it too, but, but basically it's kind of like a one, two, three knockout uh, for your ammo um, management. And what it is, is you can have what you should have one case that you're working on, that you are drawing down because you're going out, you're getting training, you're practicing every week you know, all of that stuff that we're talking about, then you have one case that's unopened. And the, the simplest thing is obviously when that case that you're working down gets empty and you've got to open the new case, now you buy a third, you know, in this case, it's a second case and it moves to the unopened position. Um, the ammo squared spin on that, of course, is that you're drawing down because you're using it, you have one unopened case at home and then you're building up a case at ammo squared because we, we allow that you know you put in a certain amount every month it builds up you could set a trigger to say okay ship me my ammo when it hits thousand rounds okay now you got that case so you've got these all in play um and then as i my personal belief on that is that as long as you're you know constantly training and you're using your ammo and you have some essentially on tap or you have enough um the situation occurred where you couldn't get any more, like, you know, back in 2000, yep. then you might, you've got that unopened case that then becomes almost like your emergency rations. Like you probably don't want to break into that for just regular training or use it very sparingly, start looking at a lot more dry practicing, that kind of a thing. Um, but we're not there yet. Right. So, so now what, what the situation is, is that your, your two, two, three or five, five, six is kind of getting pressured because of the potential for war. Um, so Lake City, the situation there, uh, the rumor was that they had cut all commercial, that they canceled all commercial contracts or something, or canceled commercial deals. I have deals with 
you know, Winchester through, you know, Lake, for Lake City Ammo. They weren't canceled. What they did was they removed the discounts that were in place. And I also heard this from another rep from another, um, actually from Fiuki, but, um, but they basically said that they have removed the discounts, but other manufacturers still have discounts in place. In fact, I just bought some stuff and, and the rep was contacting us because he's almost like, I would say capitalizing on the fear, but he's, he's a good salesman. And he's like, Hey, yeah. this is all going on. You need to buy more ammo. And, yeah. you know, if, if one distributor is doing that and other distributors, and then, you know, and then it kind of filters down. Um, so, you know, just to kind of summarize what, what from talking to people and kind of just being in the industry, what my, my prediction or my, my thought is, is that prices are going to rise because that's what happens in an efficient market is that the supply drops, the demand is, the demand is up, but it, you know, there's really no reason for it to be other than the, the contract stuff. Yeah. And so the price is going to go up, um, but it isn't going to be like 2000 where you couldn't find any ammo at all. Um, because you think about 2000 or I keep saying 2000, uh, 2020, um, yeah. the COVID timeframe. Um, yeah. I, I kind of knew what you were talking. It's, it's so funny because I, I knew exactly what you're talking about. It just went completely right over my head of 2000. Yeah, 2000- Y2K, Y2K was a completely different buy, panic buy. <laughs> exactly. That was the Y2K panic buy. I got to get that straight. Uh, but no, the 2020. So we had all those plants that were shut down. And we had all of yeah. the the raw um, components that that those companies couldn't get. So it was almost like this really, this was, you know, the, the worst situation was that there was just no ammo out there. Um, yeah, that was a perfect storm. Yeah, that was a perfect storm. So I think what we're seeing now and that we'll probably continue to see is just where there's more demand than supply. So the price has got to go up. And it's going to hit the military rounds first, including it hasn't really hit nine millimeter yet, but I think that's kind of the next one. Um, I'm starting to see that a little bit. Um, but and then the kind of the the negative, though, is that if you have the situation where these companies are manufacturing two, two, three, five, five, six, nine millimeter, because that's what the biggest demand is, then they're not going to be manufacturing the six, five. Right. Reedmores and the Grendels right. and the, you know, 3030s and all those other things. Which, um, which is exactly what happened at the end of the COVID years yeah. when the manufacturers were starting to ramp up. That's what they were doing, all the common calibers. Like, yeah. um, like uh, you know, I remember going through COVID just, you know, looking at ammo at the stores, even after the COVID years, you know, came out. It took a while to before you saw 3030 Winchester. Yes, that was one of the harder um, ones. It was one of the hard ones to get. Now, I mean, now it's like it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the they nine millimeter. They were trying to crank out as much nine millimeter, uh, uh, five five six and three oh eight. You know, mm -hmm. they they were trying to crank that stuff out. You got your forty fives and and all that stuff, the common calibers. And then yeah, it took a while. Then your six five Creed Morris, your thirty thirties, and all the other stuff started coming back again. Um, so no. who knows actually what's going to happen, but I mean, that's kind of what the situation is now. It's just that we have more pressure on the, the military rounds. Um, so. now, 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 what's kind of, I, I don't want to say what's kind of nice, but what's actually kind of nice about this, this, this shows why a company like Ammo Squared is needed. 
because if you're buying your ammo over time, you're using that dollar cost average, right? So, right. so as that price rises, you still have stock that's you bought low. So, you know, you're starting to you're starting to level things out. So, if you're buying over time, yeah, the worst time to buy is during a panic. You know, when prices exactly. are really high. And and I mean, the thing too with with the dollar cost averaging is if you just commit and you basically say, okay, I'm just going to put fifty dollars a month towards my two two three and my nine. And so when prices are low, you're buying a bunch more rounds. When prices go yeah. high, you're not buying as much rounds. Um, and it's, you know, exactly like, you know, like stock market, really, you know, in, in that you, yeah. you don't want to ever buy at the peak and you don't want to sell at the bottom. You want to do the reverse. Um, yeah. And that's one thing, too, for our customers. It, and actually, I mean, it, it works for anybody that has physical ammunition, too, but it's much easier for our customers is that if we get back up into those nosebleed territory, my customers that have a ton of nine and a ton of five, five, six stockpile, if they don't need it, they literally can hit a sell button. Actually, now we change it to a return button, but it's uh, yeah. the same <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. all it, it's like, I, I have notes on that. There's You guys kind of got hit by the government on certain yes. words. Um, yes. But yeah, it no, was more of the financial industry, the banking industry, than the government itself. But yeah, we we had to we had to remove our wallet. We had to we can't be selling back into okay. cash. So you know the but we it, it's essentially the same thing in that you return your ammo, um, and then you can always get a check, you know, from us if you want the cash. So I just can't have it sitting in a cash wallet is kind of the bet, the no no thing for us. <laughs> And then I can't send it. So that's the other yeah. thing. That was part of our amazing innovation was the, the ammo squared pay. Um, but the problem there is I would have needed a money transmitter license in order to do that because I'm literally using a cash equivalent, in this case ammunition, to send funds from one person to another. And they have all these financial rules about you know money laundering and all that kind of stuff. And so our, our situation was instead of, for right now, instead of jumping through all the hoops on all that red tape, we just removed those features. Um, and maybe this is why they other. hate crypto. This is exactly why they hate cryptocurrency. Is exactly. because yeah. it completely goes around their regulations. Right. And unfortunately, and they don't like that. They want control. They want you know, and that's the thing. And so we were a little too. I I felt like we we're a little too innovative, a little too ahead uh, for our own good. And so we did dial it back. We removed those features, but but still, the thing for us is that the core never changes, right? The core is that okay. you are building up ammunition that's available on demand whenever you want, and you can return it. You can exchange it for other calibers. In fact, we did even break out two two three from five five six. So now we we originally had a mixed SKU. So you would subscribe to the mixed SKU. You would get kind of a mix of both. But now if you don't want both, you can get either 556 by itself or 223 by itself. Okay. Awesome. So and that's the thing is, uh, you know, everybody out there, whether, whether you're stock market, whether you're dealing in crypto, whether you're dealing in gold, silver, precious metals, or you're dealing in ammo, it's the same concept. I mean, this is, this is not new. It's just a new asset class that we're looking at. Yeah. You know, we're now, rather than gold and silver or paper money or stocks and bonds, we're dealing with jacket copper, uh, you know, copper jacketed lead. Yeah, is, exactly. that's it. 
So, I mean, this is, is as much as this is a new concept, this concept has been around since money started. So, since since one one person traded a rock to another for something, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. This is this has been it. It's just it's just this now. Um, it's just now we have something that we can either treat as an asset class, or if we don't need to treat it as an asset class, we actually need it to do something, like yeah, trade stuff like that. It's it's a product. It's it's yeah. both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, and, and that's kind of the, the amazing thing about ammunition and the way that we're treating it. It's It literally is a store of value for you. So if you have it and you've been buying it and the prices now go up, you're making money. Um, you yeah. know, And it, you're making money either if you get a physical delivery to your house, because now you don't have to buy it at the higher prices. You bought it at a lower price, or if you wanted to, return it or exchange it or whatever, then you're still making money because that thing, that ammunition has value and the market says how much value it has. And so we're, we're almost like, and and I kind of have this vision of like a market maker where during a shortage, we supply the excess. Right. And so, because in a way, what, what a market maker does is they're kind of in between. So they, they, they buy at the, they kind of facilitate the exchanges in a way is really what like a, like a commodities market maker does. Um, and so for us, if prices could keep, like I was saying, if prices keep going up higher, then my customers have the opportunity to just say, Hey, I'm, I'm just going to cash out. I'm, I'm going to make money on this. And, and then for us, it's like, then they literally just added more inventory into the market. Well, it's funny because you're bas- you're basically the buffer at that point. That's what it is. Um, yep. So wh- while you were talking, it's it's funny. What was going through my mind is you are my strategic ammunition reserve, not my strategic oil reserve. You're my strategic <laughs> ammunition yeah. reserve. There you go. Um, so uh, it, it, and that's the thing, uh, you know, because you, when you're talking about have a case, you know, use a case, have a case. I mean, this mm-hmm. is no different than anybody um, anybody that's either in the prepper world or something like that. Yep. You're gonna have you're gonna have what you're using, then you're gonna have something in reserve, right? Yes. Um, you know, when the toilet paper when the toilet paper crisis hit, um, mm-hmm. what's so funny is it didn't even hit it, it, like my house. It didn't even hit because when we went to Costco, every time we go to Costco, we just bought paper towels, and toilet paper, just bought a pack. Yeah. And then it's just like, it's funny because we stopped, you know, when all that stuff hit, we, you know, we obviously stopped buying and we finally started buying again. I'm like, wow, did we actually have that much? Yeah. And like we were, we're drawing actually, down your reserves, right? You're totally we drawing down our reserves. And yeah, even then we were, still, we were still fine. I mean, we didn't even yeah. need to start buying yet, but it's like, okay, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not going to go bad unless it gets wet. So why not? You know, why not buy it? It's the same thing with your ammo. Yeah, you're yeah. you're going to use it one way or another. You're going to use it. You're either right. going to use it as an asset class, or you're going to use it for recreation or competition or whatever you want to use it for. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and it's so, and and I I love it when people essentially treat it like a utility. You know, because that's essentially yeah. what ammunition is 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 it's a utility. 
It's like paying your electric bill or your, your gas bill. It's just, and then there's just a con continuous feed of that ammo. And that way you always have it. Cause one of the, one of the things that we get a lot is, well, why would I, why would I do that? Why would I sign up with you guys? Or I can just go down and buy it myself, you know, buy it by the case. Well, the reality is people don't do it. They think about it and they think, yeah. oh, I know I'm, I'm running low. I know I need to buy ammo, but I got other things to do or whatever. And so with us, it's automatic. Well, I, I love what you're talking about where treat it, treat it like uh, utilities. Like you're going to, you're going to get paid. You're going to pay your bills. Yeah. 20 bucks. Just don't go to Starbucks like three times in a pay period. There's your ammo. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. really, it's, it's just not, it, we're not talking about pain points. Yeah. I mean, this is an easy pain point to get around. Yeah. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, the last episode I was talking about, I, you know, I work from home all the time. Uh, very rarely do we go, I mean, we go into town to go shopping, and, you know, occasionally. Um, but usually when we go shopping, it's like all at once. We do it early in the morning because Helena is getting stupid busy now. Uh, everybody's moving into here, which I'm saying that and you you live outside, outside of Boise. You've been seeing this for years. Um, um, you know, it's getting stupid. So we're like out there shopping early in the morning, like when stores first open and things like that. I mean, you know, we have Costco, we're hitting Costco at nine 30 when they open to, to get through, oh, and get yeah. out and get gone out of town. Yeah. If I want ammo, the stores are so closed. <laughs> They'll open for like another half hour. Um, yeah where it just makes sense to just store the stuff somewhere else. And then when I need it, yeah. it, it can come. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people too aren't, aren't, we're used to going to Costco. We're used to going to the grocery store, but we're not used to necessarily going to places that sell ammunition. Um, right. So, That's a special trip. I mean, yeah. That is usual for most people. It's a special trip. Exactly. Um, well, and that's the same thing with like a 401k. You set up your 401k. It just comes out of your paycheck. You don't even think about it anymore. And that's what I love about this and treating it like a 401k. Set it up. You just you just know every month on these dates or this date or this one-time purchase, however you want to buy it, you just buy it and you just subtract it right then and you're done. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even have to think about it. And that's that's our thing. It's like it's set it and forget it. You know, we've got auto buy and auto ship. And so you know, whatever, whatever your flavor is, you can auto ship at a thousand, you can auto ship at $300, you know, you can auto ship every six months, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you can set it up so you don't even have to worry about it. And then it's supplemental too. It's like, you can still shop the sale, still go out and buy other stuff. And then you still have this in the background, but at least you have this almost as a base level. Like, so you don't, you won't be without ammo if you forget to go to, you know, Cabela's yeah. or wherever and pick it up. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, we've been rolling for about an hour. So uh, it, it's so funny how fast these episodes go by. Um, so like we did last time, uh, I like to, I still like to wrap up with a speed round. Okay. Um, I re-listened to episode 103 so I knew what your answers are because I'm not going to ask you the same things twice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so we're still going to do four, four this or that questions, and then your thinking question. The thinking question is the same, but you already have an A10 warthog from me, so you can't have two. Okay. <laughs> so, 
So, two, two, three, or three hundred blackout. Uh, two, two, three. Yep. I, I just have not. What's that? What's that? No, go ahead. Oh, I, I just haven't had good luck with three hundred blackout in, in the guns that I own for whatever reason. But yeah. it, it it's funny how that works. Uh, I I now have a three hundred blackout. Uh, I I was filming. Uh, I was filming on Sunday. And I didn't even get to that gun. I, I, it's like I was up there for five hours filming, and I had more, I had more product to film than I had time. So yeah, I, I, I get. It. I wanted to get that three hundred blackout, but I've heard some people talk about it. Some guns are a little finicky about it. Yeah, I mean it's an amazing round in that you can go subsonic and supersonic, and I do have a three hundred blackout with a suppressor on it. Um, but the last time I took it out the ammo, it was just not very accurate for me. At 50 yards, I was getting, you know, inch, inch and a half, um, probably two inch groups, you know, which I guess it's a four MOA gun, but it's an AR, so it should be better than that. I'm, I guess I'm expecting right. better. And at the same time, I took, I was shooting my wife's gun, which was 223, and I was at 50 yards, and I was getting rounds touched, um, you know, so it was just that kind of a thing, but yeah. But it's yeah, a good round. I, I haven't had good success with it yet. It's funny because, um, like, I, I'm testing this product, and it's it it's a it's a basically it's a quick um, attach and detach barrel system. So oh, okay. I can go from two two three, you know, pull my two two three barrel out, throw a three oh uh, not three oh three hundred black cap barrel in, and I like these two barrels I'm playing with. It, you know, it's not I'm not testing the accuracy because it's. Let's face it; these are fifty-dollar barrels. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, okay. I'm just, I'm just hoping they ring steel at like thirty yards, right? <laughs> um, I, I'm testing. Can I, can I pull a barrel out and put, put you know, put a different barrel in? You know, um, but yeah, uh, at a fifty-dollar barrel, I'm not expecting a lot of accuracy. So no. it could be, um, it could be the barrel. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors to to the inconsistency of that. Um, it's going to be funny. It's going to be fun to find out if the $50 barrel, it, that, that might be a completely new uh, series altogether. How, how crappy is a $50 300 black cow barrel? Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So, so on rifles, lever action or bolt action? Uh, bolt action for me. My wife would say lever action. Well, now she might say bolt action because we both took that class, but. Yeah, um, see, now she's in yeah, that long range. That's the long range thing, yeah. So definitely bolt action. So for shotguns, pump action or break action? Break action, huh? Okay, yeah. I can't go somewhere. Over out. under over, over <laughs> under or side by side. Uh oh wait, I have to choose between over under or side by side. No, I, I'm taking I, oh. both of those are break action. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a I'm, I'm a tactical shotgunner, so for, I've got a semi-auto and I've got a, a pump. So I've got a Remington 870 for practice, and I've got a Beretta 1301, which is my nice. my my favorite shotgun. So I've got uh, for me, I have a I have a Remington 870. That was my first gun. I still have that from when I was a kid. Um, mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, for my three-gun shotgun is a Benelli M2. Oh, nice. Okay. So is that yeah. is that the one that can do semi and pump, or is it just no? It's that's that's all semi. That's all semi. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah. I used to have an M1. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was all summer. I I want to, I'd really like to trade up to the M4, but I, I don't know. My M2 works fine. And, and, yeah. and my, my three gun setup is expensive enough as it is already. I know. Yeah. You got one of those probably 1800 bucks or something. I don't know. Yeah, you got, you, you got, I mean, between my pistol, uh, my pistol, my rifle, my shotgun, my belt, my mag holders. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just getting expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, and then, uh, so for your fourth one, would you rather have a suppressor or a machine gun? Um, as a like new, because I have a lot of suppressors, so I think I would just add a machine gun to the list. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So you you would go with the thing that you don't have already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So for your thinking question, again, you already have an A10 from me because you okay. chose the Gal 8 for your gun, yep. and I had to give you the aircraft for it. Yeah. So, so gonna, uh, once again, we're going to walk into the world's largest armory, has everything in it that has ever thrown a projectile from anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way out to a deck gun off the Missouri. What are you walking out with? Uh, I think I'll keep the vehicle theme and I will take a Jeep with a uh, Mod Deuce on it. Oh, nice. There you go. I mean, there you go. At least you know you got the ability to to maneuver, and you can reach out and touch someone. And it's a machine gun, so it hits yep. that. It hits that one too. Hey, you get, you get double duty off of that. So you so yeah. you get the free machine gun from me. To, so that well, it might be a little hard to put your cans on that. Um, oh yeah, people do <laughs> yeah. though. They suppress those those fifties, uh, but probably more the bolt actions than the the full autos. Yeah. Well, Dan, thank you so much for taking time out. I know this is kind of, you know, we, we're squeezing this in between you getting shipments out for everybody and then um, and then running right up to dinner time. I really appreciate you taking some time out and joining us again. Yeah, no, it's been great. So it's always easy to talk to you. That's that's what I'd like to hear. That's that's what the, yeah. that's what this is all about. It's just having a little bit of fun. So Dan, uh, yeah. So we will uh, we will let you get going, so that way you can get home to your family. And once again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. You bet. It's really great catching up with Dan. He's a super nice guy. You know, we talked before and after a, a lot of podcasts, not just this one. The you know when you have the guest or the panel on, we talked before. There, there's a, it just happens. We just get talking about things, and there's also an after chat. We got talking afterwards. He's just a super nice guy and he's got a platform that is really amazing i really love the way he's thinking about ammo and the way he's kind of teaching us to think about ammo a little bit differently i mean you might not be able to afford to go into gold or silver as an investment but ammo i mean if we think about if if you're a prepper out there it you think about you buy what you're going to use. Well, the way to store wealth is in ammo, right? I mean, and in, if you end up using it, you end up using it. You buy some more. 
So it's a really great way to think about money. I mean, we are in some, well, massive inflation right now, right? I mean, and trust me, it could get worse, but let's think about what we can do and how we're going to preserve our wealth. Ammo is a really, really good way of doing that. Now, we can't do this, like I said before, we can't do this without our, our sponsors. And the product of the podcast is Ammo Squared. Look, they need your help. So that way we can keep producing these shows. So definitely go check out Ammo Squared. I mean, I have a link down below. It's, it's an amazing way of buying ammo and storing ammo and, well, putting money into an investment that we know is not going to be a bad investment. I mean, ammo is just not a bad investment. I mean, we look at anything that is crazy that's going on in the world, ammo prices go up. So go check it out. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, click that video right there. That video is about the restoration of that rifle right there, that Winchester uh, 94 Golden Spike. For everybody else, there's a link down below. Thanks for watching. Hope you're staying safe out there and look forward to talking to you again soon.